Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse, and we are the Dad Fathers, and we're coming at you with some neon kind of energy, because <laughs> it's casino night, baby. Casino night. Very excited. Because what, what movie are we talking about in, re- in regards to casinos? We're talking about Casino, and it's with a very special guest, been on the show before, Joe. Excited nice to talk about you. one of my favorite movies. Awesome. You see, that's why we that's why we wanted to have you on. Like you were on, on our on our Oscars episode, if anyone everyone remembers. And when we finished talking about that, we we're just like, oh, if you ever want to come on for a movie, and you're like, yeah, casino. <laughs> we're like, oh, all right. Well, that's gonna be in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you guys were doing a Scorsese thing, so Yeah, it's yeah, the right um, time to come on. Perfect. It's I, I can't wait to hear why this movie. Because I think we're gonna have some uh, some differing takes tonight. I think it's it's a it's definitely a hot, cold kind of room. We're gonna run the spectrum of enthusiasm for this one. But as Jesse mentioned, it is Casino from 1995, and this is finishing up our Scorsese gangster series that was proposed by Mike. And, you know, before we actually get into this episode, Mike, I just wanted to ask you real quick. If you had known at the start of this, these four movies, which was Goodfellas, Gangs of New York, The Departed, and Casino, that we would be here, we've done all this talking. Have, have, did we explore enough? Did we explore enough? Did we go uh, deep enough? Did we go deep? I think so. I think we've done a pretty good job going deep on these movies. Yeah, I mean, I feel like our Goodfellas pod was pretty tight and like very, I don't know, clear. And then I feel like our our Gangs of New York was also pretty good. And then our Departed episode, which you were not around <laughs> I for, was, not for that. was yes, a was total mess, which I feel like was in keeping with the movie <laughs> um, in a good way. Nothing but good way. Right. Um, a lot about rats now, in that one. Yeah, a lot about, we talked a lot about rats. Nice. And uh, here we are with Casino, which I feel like it's fun to to have this as the cap, the capstone or like the final one here, because I, I feel like my perception of Scorsese has developed throughout this process, watching these back to back, these big, solid, meaty movies. Yeah. Lengthy. Are you guys only watching the gangster movies or are you watching other Scorsese films too? We only did gangster movies and we did uh, like the, we didn't do the Irishman, the Irishman. And we didn't do, uh, the Main Street. Main Street. I keep thinking hard streets, but it's yeah, I didn't do taxi driver. Just, just these four, just yeah. good fellas. Yeah. Um, gangs of New York, the departed and casino. That's, that's all yeah. we're doing. And then we'll, we'll definitely circle back around. I mean, Scorsese is kind of a, a dad staple. You know what I mean? When we come up with series, we usually come up with three or four because any more than that, we kind of get tired of, of talking about it. Like if if I had to keep on watching three hour Scorsese movies, I might lose it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, my, would, my sweet spot is ninety minutes, and he is doubling <laughs> that every single time. At least <laughs> for fun, you know. I feel like yeah. Taxi Driver and Raging Bull are in an acceptable runtime. They are. But, They're just a little bit more punishing in their subject matter. That's true. Yeah. I guess Scorsese early on, you know, was a little bit more succinct, and then kind of embellished a little bit as his career got on yeah he, he got older and he's like you know i'm gonna make a movie about excess it's called wolf of wall street you know how i'm gonna do that i'm gonna make it excessive everything, <laughs> everything about it excessive more <laughs> more more <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back around to old marty soon enough for sure yeah. but uh we still have casino to get through today that's right um but before we jump into the casino oh I, I have to yank in. you back and here we're i'm gonna pause and we're gonna insert mike's bumper What's up? Uh, I, I'm just gonna go first because I was gone last week. I was very sick. Sad to miss it, but I watched a ton of movies while I was sick. Oh, nice. Um, it was a little gross. It was a little gross. You know when you're like really sick and you have a fever, 
and you're just like sweating on the couch and you just sweat yeah. for a really long time and you just like chain the yeah. movies together in this like endless fever dream of movies. And then at a certain point you like go to the bathroom and look in the mirror and you're like, who am I? <laughs> uh, I did that. It was great. But by myself, I watched this movie called uh, Werewolves Within. It was a really fun little horror comedy from last year. It's based on the, the Ubisoft video game Werewolves Within. It's fantastic. You have this uh, this little park ranger guy comes into the secluded mountain town and a blizzard, of course, knocks out the roadway and he's stuck with these small cast of characters who are all kind of antsy, um, all have like longstanding grudges against each other. And then bodies start turning up in the snow that have been mauled by uh, what appears to be a wolf. They become very quickly convinced that there is a werewolf amongst them and they need to figure out who it is. And it's like this big whodunit as the bodies begin to stack up and we're trying to figure out who or if there is, in fact, a werewolf. It's really funny. It's a really good time. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds really fun. It reminds me of, uh, what's the Snow Hollow? Werewolf oh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Wolf of Snow, Snow, Snow Hollow. Hollow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's a little better. Okay. It's a lot funnier. Okay. It's it's pretty much like if if uh, if you cross Wolf of Snow Hollow with the Clue movie, that, that's what you're huh. going to get. Huh. That sounds uh, amazing. Wild. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a really good time. I, I, I rented it. Um, cause I've been wanting to see it for a long time, but it's, it's really fun. So I recommend that one. I watched, uh, with my wife, an old favorite of mine, a uh, flight plan. This oh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Yeah. Yeah. So does uh, she have a daughter or doesn't she? Exactly. That's the movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. yeah. Why is it called flight plan? Not sure. Still not certain. <laughs> it's more like daughter. Did my daughter actually go missing from the plane? Colon. Is my daughter real? <laughs> it's really what the movie you know, is about. The movie should have just been called Where's My Daughter? Yeah. Where is she? Is that the one with Killian Murphy where he stabs someone? That's with Red Eye. That's Red Eye. Okay. I yeah. got those Same year. And I think I watched them both on a plane. <laughs> so. You're a masochist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Red Eye is also pretty fun. Yeah. But I watched this with the wife. It's like a tense, fun little thriller. Yeah. It's just a really good time. It's also like a tight hour 35. Nice. It's, Very it's good. A little long for Jesse, but five uh, minutes nope, too long. Nope. I say that is my sweet spot. Let's do this. <laughs> Plan these flights. Maybe we'll make a new series, just the best 90-minute dad movies. Yeah, that would <laughs> be sounds great. Could be a series like best movie to pause 30 minutes in. Oh. And never come back to. Oh, okay. I got I got too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one I wanted to recommend, not recommend. I watched this. I, I finally finished the Toy Story series. I watched Toy Story 4. I've avoided it for a long time. I love the Toy Story movies. We will do them on this show someday. I've watched all the Toy Stories with my daughter. She has been out on them since Toy Story 2, but I didn't give her a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story 2, 3 are way too sad for little kids. They do not like it. They, they're they very confusing. She liked that there were colors and she laughed at Barbie. Can I just say something? So I have a two-year-old daughter and I have a six-month-old daughter. Yeah. And I hadn't watched a kid's movie in two decades. <laughs> Why are they all so sad? They're so sad. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here, I'm choking up watching Elsa, you know? <laughs> I was not prepared for that. They're, they're really sad. And that's like the Disney and the Pixar magic, man. They, they, they sprinkle the tears on the laughter. I went back and watched The Lion King, which my daughter was not into, but that is a tragic movie. Yes. Tra- traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. 
it, Anyhow, look, sorry, that just popped it, up in my head. It all, it all started with Bambi when Bambi's mom <laughs> yeah. changed animation forever. That they just, they right. just said, how do we inject parent trauma? There has to be parent trauma in this. And then perfectly normal kids are like, I actually haven't considered if my parent would die violently. That's terrifying. <laughs> murder is real. Um, there is no murder in Toy Story 4. There is a slightly suicidal uh, Spork character. It's very oh. funny. Forky. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Forky's That's the best great. part of the movie. Yeah. He's- yeah. I love it. He's a spork made out of trash parts and he just wants to he wants to be in the trash. That concept trash. is amazing. <laughs> he's trying to get in the trash the whole movie because it's warm and sometimes squishy. You know? He just wants That's to go disgusting. back. He just wants to go back to what he's made of. That's disgusting. He does not understand that he's a toy because he's also like he's also kind of like a baby because the little girl creates him, so he's like three days old and he's made of trash. And he's voiced by by, by uh, Buster from Arrested Development, Tony oh, Hale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's charming. The rest of the movie, man, they didn't need to do this again. I'm I'm over Toy Story. I'm yeah. It's it's done. Just be done. But since um, the other Toy Stories are so sad, and this one isn't nearly as sad, they yeah. My kids love this movie. They say, oh. "I want to watch the one with Jesse." I was like, "Oh, you mean Toy Story 2? They're like, <laughs> "No, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> the other one with Jesse." I was like, okay, you mean Toy Story 3? No. <laughs> the other one. All right, fine. We'll watch Toy Story 4. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's much more like a kid's movie. The stakes are lower. It's not yeah. as scary. It's not as sad. It's it's just, I don't know. It, it doesn't deserve to be called Toy Story 4. It should be called like Toy Story colon Woody's Adventures or something. It, whatever. It actually shouldn't be called that. <laughs> I don't know why I suggested that. <laughs> it should be called that. Anyway, that that's what I've been that's been what's up with me. Mike, do you have something that's up with you? What's up? So I watched this really long movie this week oh, called sure. Casino. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> that's that's what I did. No, I started listening to a book on tape uh, that we uh, did the movie of. I, I started listening to it just now. Um, oh, just nice. in the last week. And it I'm digging it. It's very good. Uh, Which book is dig- it? It. Yeah. It's it. Yeah, which one? It. Oh, ah, that's a good joke. You see, I just had to do that because it's been like a year and a half since our It episode. I just (laughs) needed to remind people. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's good. I've been trying to get through a very, very long history that is just very long. I listen to books on tape a lot and uh, have for a while. And so like I'll usually like intersperse like something fun in Stephen Kingy and then like a serious history because I want to, you know, pretend I'm serious. And so I was doing that and I was just like not wanting to listen to it. I was, you know, going on walks and not listening to anything. And I realized that I was just trying to avoid listening to that big heavy history (laughs) book. So instead I was like, you know what? All right, it's time for it. And now I'm listening to it. It's great. What you said is like, you know, my adult life is missing homework. I need to create homework for myself. Exactly. Exactly. So now I'm having fun. How far are you into it? A couple hours. Okay. A few hours. 38 yeah. more to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that yeah. book is like 1,200 pages. Yeah. yeah. Mike, can I also just add that I love the fact that you call them books on tape? <laughs> that is true. Good call, Jesse. That is charming. <laughs> it's a book on tape. Oh. <laughs> Someone taped it. <laughs> All right. See, it's, I call oh, because it's an audio book. That's right. It's an audio book. I, I, I say audio books. these yeah. days. I can't handle. I can't keep up with technology anymore. Are you breaking out your cassette player? Yeah, <laughs> good, days. Good, days. good days. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm walking around with a Walkman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesse, Jesse, what what are you crushing your way through this week? What's up? <laughs> well, with the kids, we're continuing Star Wars Rebels, which is now like a Saturday morning staple. We all wake up. That's cool. We have we get some smoothies and we sit down and we watch Star Wars Rebels. Nice. And recently, I've kind of been enjoying it. Like it started out far more cartoony, but there the characters all have genuine arcs. I can say that this series is way better than the sequel trilogy. <laughs> so like I've been enjoying these crazy zany adventures and how it actually impacts the Star Wars universe. It's fun. It's a lots of fun. I have been watching something else, but there's a preamble to this. Uh, I had a game night at my house uh, a few nights back and I got this new game called Wavelength. So it's this game, right, where there are these two teams and there's this giant dial and the teams need to put the dial uh, on the target, but they don't know where the target is. Only mm. one person does. And that person has to give a clue based off a card that comes out. So, for example, I got a card that said light side of the force or dark side of the force. So so if you put it all the way to the left, that's dark side. If you put it all the way to the right, it's the light side. Somewhere in the middle, it's in between, right? Which in my case, it was directly in between. So my clue was Han Solo. So because I wanted my team to put the dial somewhere in the middle. Okay. Okay. Which they did not. They put on the light side. They thought he was <laughs> <good> <laughs> <to> <laughs> he's a smuggler. What are you talking about? But he's, That's... A, he's a force ghost in the last one. So <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> shut up, Dan. <laughs> I love this game because there's so much arguing that ensues right after someone gives a clue and the answer is revealed. But also, uh, Dan's wife had one. It was um, ethical, ethical to eat or unethical to eat. And her oh. clue was octopus. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we just kind of sat around being like, well, I, I, what is, is that? Ethical? Yeah. So whether or not it's it was ethical eth- to eat, it's taught like the, there, there's, 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 there's a lot of question about it now. Wait, really? Because they're so intelligent. Yeah. Which oh, is shit. what I had been thinking. She put it exactly I, I just, where I would have thought because yeah. on the on the one side, I, I would have put like it's human and then it's like monkey and then dolphin and then octopus. Right, that would be like my hier- hierarchy. That makes sense. And she had it like right where I would put it. So anyway, after after that game, like I've been thinking about that question a lot. So I decided to watch my octopus teacher. Oh yeah. Which I fell asleep an hour in, but I really <laughs> want to finish it. It seems great. There are the octopus has real per- personality. That's really cool. I, I've been enjoying my my octopus teacher. It's a very relaxing documentary. And just, it's, this guy just has a random relationship with an octopus. It's so strange. Uh, this is the yeah. uh, the Oscar-nominated documentary from 2020, if I yeah. remember right. Yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I just had octopus. I, I just got sushi and I got octopus. Am I a bad person? You might be. Shit. You might be unethical. <laughs> I might be really unethical. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get ethical. Don't tell my wife. (laughs) I'd actually like to talk to your wife about that. That's something I have been thinking about recently, like quite a lot is, is can I do it? So what I've instead been doing is every time I want octopus, I just eat squid. Yeah. I just want to know what her feelings are on that. Yeah. (laughs) Squids, squids suck. Yeah. Those guys, those guys are bad. Yeah. They're not smart. They have three hearts. Anyway. Anyway. Um, That's what's been up with me, but Dan. What's up? (laughs) I just finished, they just released the final episode of Severance um, this past mm. week. And 
I'm going to be careful about what I say because there is a lot of spoilers that I could give away by like saying certain things. But I'll just say in general, I highly recommend this this show. It's um, it definitely opened up for another season. So there's that. I, I wasn't sure if okay. it was going to be like a one and done. It's definitely not done. Ben Stiller must have a lot more planned for the for the show. And that's awesome because he's doing such an amazing job. I don't remember the last time I've been so invested in the final episode of a show. Yeah, very intense. Very There were twists that I didn't see coming. There were some I did see coming. And it was just a lot of fun. Definitely recommend Severance. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, you, you've been. I think you mentioned it a, a couple times tonight. It's a show that I every time I hear about it, I immediately like. I will watch that, and then the moment I we stop talking about it, I just forget that it exists. I'm very sorry. I, I will watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that I know there's other seasons coming out, you know, I'll probably bring it up a few more times to bug you guys. So don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Great. Um, other than that, though, we've been doing a couple like kind of in preparation for Easter. My family's been uh, watching some religious, like old religious movies, a few that I grew up on that are kind of classics. Uh, Song of Bernadette is one that I grew up on. What's another one? Um, the Passion like of the a, Christ, right? Good, good family. Yeah, like, I might do Passion everyone. of the Christ. Not <laughs> I watched family. it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the like every third year watcher of passion of the christ i don't do it every year just because i i don't want to wear it out maybe or i don't want to i don't know i don't want it to be too familiar i, I love the movie mm-hmm. and it's great to watch like you know good friday or something but yeah other than that are we i'm trying to think of the other ones we watched there have been a few miracle of marcelino is like an old um italian movie i think yeah they're all like these black and white you know classic hollywood uh type uh, classics that I grew up with and they're just kind of, for me, they're like a piece of my childhood. So I, I enjoy going back to those. That's about what's up with me. What about you, Joe? What's up? Uh, I have been super busy with work. Um, I just got back from two weeks in Los Angeles where we did the glad media awards. Um, and then we did the kids choice awards though on Nickelodeon. That was on Saturday. Now, now we talked to you about this yeah, yeah. at the Oscars show, and we really wanted to know you. You did not give away the identity of those who were slimed, but people got slimed. I did not see the winners. Who who was the most surprising person who got slimed? Uh, well, it was the night of a thousand slimes. Oh, that's um, a lot. Of slimes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much everybody got slimed. Oh, hell yeah! All right, <laughs> nice. Spread the good, love. Good. Gronk, Gronk got it bad. Nice. Very yeah, I good. had a awesome. fun interaction with Gronkowski, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, uh, I knew I was going to have to interact with him one day, so I wore a ASU shirt, and he was like, you're killing me, bro, with that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went to U of A, so. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> was he did you get slimed? You were talking to him? Uh, I did not get slimed, but uh, I did put my hand in slime because we had a bowl of it of, uh, of as like a prop. Yeah, I was like, it's it's really just water, <laughs> cornstarch, and food dye. 
No, no. You, you, you tried to say this before and like, dude, you, you got to stop saying it because the more you say it, the more real it becomes and it stops being so magical for me. I, I refuse to believe. It's just like white noise happens whenever you st- start saying like slime is actually, it's like. Bzzz. Listen, listen, Joe, 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 Mike and I, we live near LA. If, if you ever get up here and you got some slime for us, we'll come meet you somewhere. We'll get the slime from you. Hey man, you. you got the slime? You got the slime? <laughs> I don't know if we, uh, if you guys watched the show, but the set was actually really, really cool. It was like wraps around, and they had a pool of slime in the middle. Oh, what? Oh my gosh! Oh, that's so much wow. slime. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We we'll have to. I have to get that picture from you. I want to post that with this episode. That's a lot of slime. Yeah, that that needs to be seen for everyone. Yeah, quality <laughs> content. Yeah, a lot of slime. Um, and then uh, I did watch The Passion of the Christ the other day, actually. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, it's always a hard watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was a hard watch. I. Uh, it's not a very fun movie to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the review. Not a very fun movie to watch. You know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of an iffy Friday night. <laughs> yeah. And the only other thing I've been watching, I've been so busy with work, I really haven't had time, but... Uh, I have been trying to catch up on uh, Better Call Saul before the new season. Oh, oh man. yeah, I am so yeah. excited about the new season. Which I'm way behind. I have the the controversial hot take that I think Casino is better than Goodfellas. My other controversial hot take is Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. I, I don't think that's controversial. I like keep, it was I hear both of those. It, it was a little while ago, like a few years ago, that was controversial. But I think everyone's like, yeah, it's a better it's a better show. Everyone. Every everyone I know who watches it says that they think it's better. Oh, okay. Oh, I, 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 I think, think the, I, I agree. I, I think actually. the difference is so many people watch Breaking Bad, and yes, I don't think as many people watched Better Call Saul. But yeah. I think people that did watch better that have been watching Better Call Saul think it's better. Yeah. I did. I did a season and a half of Better Call Saul. Obviously, off like the you know being so excited from the end of Breaking Bad and like oh we get Saul back, and I found it uh, to be just too deliberate for my taste, but yeah. I, I would like to try it again. But then I also see like, man, every time a drama is there and like one of the best dramas in decades and you look, you're like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's only 60 hours. That's right. Only 60 hours for me to experience <laughs> one of the best dramas in decades. Fuck off. That's like 20 uh, casinos. I know. It's so many casinos. <laughs> I've only seen casino twice. Uh, is that the new measurement is how many casinos, how many there? casinos is there? It's like that yeah. meme, like we'll measure anything that's not with the metric system. Like, yeah. <laughs> I actually do measure like time like that. Like when I drive back and forth between California, I'm like, so this is two gone with the winds. <laughs> we yeah. used to do that with Lord of the Rings. It'd be like, this would be like watching the extended Lord of the Rings all the way through twice. Yeah. <laughs> this, this road trip would be that, you know. By the way, this is completely yeah. off topic, but I just want to recommend to you, do not leave Los Angeles at 5 o'clock on a Friday. Mm. Oh, because yeah. that's when I got off work and I drove from Santa Monica to Phoenix and it took me nine and a half hours. Yeah, wow. that might be a wow. go to dinner um, maybe yeah. like take a nap in your car kind of situation. It's usually a five hour drive. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's awful. That's how long did it take you to get out of Los Angeles? That's a real question. It was like four hours. Yeah, It was like four hours to Palm Springs. Yeah. Five yeah. hours oh. to Palm Springs. Five oh hours to Palm Springs. And then once I got there, then you just fly through the desert. But yeah. Right. Once there, Pretty there tough. are no rules. 
Oh yeah. Can't stop here. It's bat country. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad that we've we've all we've all caught up. It's actually nice to be here with you guys. I missed you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we missed you too. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Oh, I have one other update. I just got the email. So we'll have maybe we'll have another party after or podcast for it. I am working the MTV Movie Awards on June. Hell 5th. yeah! Oh wow! Nice. Dude, I would do a podcast covering the. Do they still do the best kiss? I think so. I haven't seen the yeah. MTV Movie Awards in probably twenty years, but I'm working this year. I, I'm yeah. still down for that category. That I'll try and steal a moon How much man. Is it going to be? Yes. <laughs> is that the award? Uh, yeah, that they give the boot man's out. Okay. That's rad. That's really Actually, cool. if you guys want to come to rehearsals, l- let me know. You can drive down. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. That would be really yeah. fun. Yeah, that'd be really fun. <laughs> when is it? Yeah. Where is it? LA. Uh, I think well, it's in downtown LA. Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, my, my offices are there. Oh, you I go there sometimes. You needed some help at your office that time. <laughs> I could I could come help you yeah. at your office so we could I'm go sure. see. <laughs> yeah, I was looking up like it's all like, yeah, exposed. You guys should do it. Uh, exposed. The roof is exposed. I was like, hey, this, this that's shit. All right, I'm going to I'm going to hang on. I'm going to make a note of that. Uh and we'll we'll talk after the show here. Actually, um, no. It's uh, in Sa- it's in Santa Monica. Oh. oh okay. At the same venue that the Kids Choice Awards Parker uh, Hanger. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks for the invite. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk about it here when we when we end up. Yeah. So we are we're back on casino. We're, we're doing casino. Up. Yeah, that's the one we're doing. We're doing casino. Okay. <laughs> You're yelling in my ear. We're doing casino. This epic, another epic, another huge movie about mafia people. So first impressions. Well, sorry. Before we get to first impressions, though, brief intro to this. This is obviously directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Scorsese and Nicholas Pileggi based upon his book. He's also the uh, the author of the Goodfellas uh, book as well. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, De Niro, uh, Sharon Stone, Joe Pesci. I have to call out Don Rickles here. <laughs> I don't know what Don Rickles is doing here. It's a lot of face acting. I, I not, I'm not certain of his presence, but it's Mr. Potato Head is here as De Niro's right-hand man in the casino. I just thought it was hilarious. And then obviously uh, James Woods being fantastic and slimy as only James Woods can be shot by uh, Robert Richardson and edited as always by Thelma Schoonmaker. Scorsese's longtime collaborator. Um, this is based upon real people, real people involved with the mafia inside the casino business in Las Vegas. Almost all of these places are gone now. It's kind of like a passing of the era story. And it's kind of fitting that we're, that we're doing this kind of story to end our, our gangster series. We'll talk about that more in a little bit after we get through our, our first impressions. Uh, Joe, you wanted this one so badly. You've seen it so many times. Tell us about your first impressions of Casino. What do you think of it now? Uh, what's Share the love. Um, I can't honestly tell you the first time I saw Casino, um, but it's Casino is just one of those movies I will always come back to if it's on Netflix and I have nothing to do on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I could just watch it or I'll watch even clips of it on YouTube. Um, I just think it's a fantastic movie and we can get into this a little deeper, but I think it's a significantly better movie than Goodfellas. I think it's actually one of Scorsese's best movies. I think it's significantly deeper than Goodfellas. And I know that you guys were talking spoiler about how there really isn't a plot to this movie. And I think that that's not entirely true, but we can get into that later. Hell yeah. Um, uh, but the acting is just fantastic. Yeah, it's just a 
classic movie to me, you know, to each so, their own, but I, I think it's fantastic. So when you are looking up like casino movie clips, like which one is like your go-to? The is, best is it the clip, hammer scene. <laughs> uh, the, the, the best scene in the movie hands down is the scene that precedes the hammer scene when it, it's just, a, if you're teaching a film class on how to edit, the scene where De Niro catches the cheat and he, he scans, he, he, there is some narration to it, but the editing and the cinematography tell the story visually of how De Niro catches that cheat. And yeah. just with his eyes and the panning and the cutaways, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant 45 seconds of film. I can watch that scene over and over and over again. I, I yeah. love I love the kneel down, the slow head, the slow scan, the tilt as yes. he focuses in. And then he uses his fingers to go back to find where he was looking. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah Thomas yeah. Schumacher gets edits that so well that you can read De Niro's mind. Mm -hmm. You can really see exactly what Ace is thinking through that whole scene. And it's it's just brilliant. It is really cool. It's it's that first hour for me sings sings really hard, and it's it's only it's only later on I have issues, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> I was reading today, it just in preparation for this, someone said that the scene that I is iconic for Goodfellas is that one and a half two minute uh, steady cam shot of him going through the Copacabana. Sure. Yeah. Through the through the back of the restaurant. They said that the first 45 minutes of this film is that scene on crack. It's mm -hmm. just one long exposition of Las Vegas and showing the entire, basically setting up the entire story. I, I think, um, I think it is, it is masterful. And that's actually some of my first impressions. The first time I saw it is that for the first hour of this, I was like, this is cause I'd already loved Goodfellas. I, I came to this one a little bit later, but I, I, I love the first hour so much really drawn into the world as you know Scorsese and Pileggi are doing again um, building up these characters building up the place they're in and what they're doing and explaining the system to you explaining like how there are cheats and how they're getting past them um, it's really great stuff to, to hang a world on the, and the the way of the Japanese whale yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that was fantastic um, just the slow kind of rope-a-dope they do and it's really where it starts to begin to shift the perspectives that it lost me on my first time. And I will say on the second time as well, the, the constant bouncing between the characters, um, I found, I didn't find it jarring. I just found it sluggish so much so that I was very drawn into where this sort of melodramatic, you know, love triangle was going, going towards, but it was, it was moving in slow motion because there's all this other uh, stuff happening. The stuff happening that Nikki's doing, you know, Nikki's getting bogged down with the police. There's all this stuff happening with uh, with the people back in Kansas City and like their reach is, is lessening. Um, there's so much going on at all times that when the movie picks up a thread to move to another thread, you feel a little bit, I felt a little bit disoriented as to where we were going. So when it finally ended, I was a little shocked that it was over. Like I knew the movie was going to be over the first time I watched it when I saw Sharon Stone die. And I was like... Oh, okay. Oh, so oh, the movie's over. Okay, we're wrapping up. I didn't. I didn't know we were yeah. so close to the end already. <laughs> and I had that exact same feeling uh, the second time. I I think there's a lot of, of of weight here, a lot of sadness, and a lot of a lot of depth. But I think that for me, I found myself getting uh, getting yanked out more than a couple times. Not only by the presence of so much narration, 
but also the poor quality of specifically Pesci's narration. Um, it sounds like the man is <laughs> reading a piece of paper. Yeah. It, 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 multiple times I was like, dude, you got to just know. No more Nikki narration. Like, we just need to see Nikki do stuff. Nikki's the crazy one. Like, we didn't need Nikki. We didn't need uh, the Joe Pesci narration in Goodfellas. I don't think we need it here. We definitely don't need it in The Irishman when it's used in The Irishman. And, and I find that so weird because Pesci has such a great voice. I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah. it's it's so expressive. He just is not emoting at all. He, he's not emoting anything on, on, on his on his sheets. And that's, I don't know if he was told to just, to just tell it dry, but De Niro can tell something dry and it's it's compelling. It's that's how De Niro always talks. But like Pesci, Pesci's a yeller. You know? He's <laughs> he, he's a he yells everything, just like me. And when he has to read it, it sounds like he's really holding himself back. Anyway, I don't wanna I don't wanna get we can get into all that. Um my first impression is I think it's a weighty work. It's huge, it's it's massive, it's an accomplishment, it's really an achievement that this movie was made, but I don't love it. I like it a lot, I don't love it. Those are my first and second impression. Uh, who do we got next? Mike, what do you think? I watched this movie for the first time on Sunday night, I think, this week. And it was a big movie to watch on a Sunday night. That's for sure. <laughs> I felt lost, honestly, throughout most of it, which is not how I often feel in movies. Not lost through, through most of it, but it was like the first 45 minutes that you're talking about there. I kept trying to figure out like remember something but there was nothing to remember because we were just getting told for the first time it was it was such a strong movie and like yeah i i agree like i think there's definitely plot here maybe not i would actually just like to talk what, about what plot is yeah because yeah, I, I, I wasn't certain about that about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I, that might be a good idea but like I finally, it was like I was trying to hold on to the reins myself for the first 45 minutes. Be like, no, I'm going to drive this show. And then I realized like, no, I'm getting driven here. And mm-hmm. so like at that point, I sort of let go and enjoyed it a lot more. The last, well, like the there's a sort of series when <laughs> finally um, Ginger is getting kicked out of the house. And that was just like petrifyingly intense and kind of funny, but so tragic at the same time (laughs) and just like kind of the way like you know what's going to happen here and you just feel it impending slowly and it goes so long it's it's very very and how fantastic was sharon stone oh my gosh she's amazing for for me she's the best part of the movie yeah same here she's she's conniving and evil but also like you get it (laughs) like you get why (laughs) again i'm sorry to keep going back to goodfellas keep doing it when you compare her to Karen, yeah, Lorraine Bracco, uh, when De Niro tries to kill her in that scene, that scene, you just say, "Oh, whatever," you know. Mm-hmm. There's no real attachment to that. And then at the end of the movie, when they did the epilogue, and it's like, "Oh, well, Henry Hill, Henry Hill, and what was her name, Karen, Karen. Uh, got divorced after 25 years. After 25 years, you're like." How the hell did they stay married for 25 years? Yeah. Like, you expected that to go away. They hate each other. They yeah. hate each when other. When Sharon Stone dies at the end, it's a tragic moment. And you it's tragic. feel bad for her. You feel bad for Ace. Mm. You know, Ace, the ultimate micromanager from managing the where the slot machines are, where how to many blueberry. uh, blueberries are in a muffin. Yeah. <laughs> micromanages everything. The only thing he can't micromanage is his wife. And he tries his hardest to make that work. And no matter what he does, it's just as you know it's going to end in tragedy. 
And it does. And it's really heartbreaking to see her, you know, OD'd on the floor of that motel in Los Angeles. If De Niro's character had whacked Karen in Goodfellas, I wouldn't have cared. No. Yeah. But this was sad. I think that that too speaks to just the, the 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 true difference I think between these two movies, and it's it's actually related to my question. So we we can like I'd love to start unpacking it. Is that they're they're very different movies. Goodfellas seems like it was made to be a good time. It's made to be broad, comedic, entertaining, and this. While I think it's meant to be entertaining, I don't know of a movie that Scorsese made that he didn't want to at least do some entertaining stuff with. I think it's it, he can't help himself, but. This movie seems much more about uh, the emotionality of the characters. Like there's deft, brief characterization for every character in Goodfellas. And this one, it really sinks you into the point. Like when the scene where um, Sharon Stone takes the kid uh, and goes off with uh, with Lester, I was, it was, I was enraged. Oh, yeah. I was so angry. And like I try not to really emotionally participate in movies very often. But this one, I, I almost like couldn't help myself. When she ties her daughter um, up. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Like I was freaking out. <laughs> I, was furious. I was freaking out. Yeah. yeah. And then when he when he tries to confront her, he's like, don't you see how wrong this is? And then she's like, she's like, what are you gonna do to me? Like, you can't talk to me like that. And, and, you know, and, and you also look at it and you say, Ace, you are a man that runs a casino. The number one rule for betting is when you're down, cut your losses. And you just wanted to just scream at him, Ace, cut your losses here. It's, this isn't gonna work. You're playing a losing hand, and he just can't do it. What's amazing is like for all of the terrible things you see her do and her character do, you still, like we were saying, you still feel her death very, very powerfully. You feel yeah. sad for her. And that's like a real emotion. That's what it does an amazing job with her character is that she makes such poor choices and right. She keeps going back to Lester and keeps breaking the, the trust that De Niro has for her. And yet you still feel for her death. Like it's a sad, sad thing, right? Like her life is a sad life. And I, I felt like so many of the scenes in this were like a tragedy. Like I was watching some sort of opera. Each of these characters just has this long, almost like a fall from grace or a fall from the great thing they were. Even Joe Pesci's character. That's, that's the theme of that. That to me is what this film is all about. This is not a gangster film, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it has gangsters in it, but it's, I don't think it's a gangster film. I think it's a film about loss. It's a film that these people had something great going. The mafia was at the height of its power in the 60s and 70s. They had something great going, and they screwed it up. Ace had something great, but his ego got in the way, and he couldn't, he couldn't help himself. He had to go start that stupid television show after he lost his license. He had something great going, and they lost it. Nikki, he he could have just been the enforcer in Las Vegas and not started the hole in the wall gang. He's got every FBI agent in Las Vegas <laughs> looking at them. They had something great, and then it's all summed up for me in the final scene of that film, which you see all the casinos getting demolished, and then you just see a wave of retirees in sweatsuits and canes. And it's just like that Las Vegas died and it died with Ace and Nikki and Ginger on the floor of Las Vegas or Los Angeles motel. It's gone. The glamor, the glitz. And all of a sudden these corporate hotels show up and you see, you know, the Lion King hotel and the pier, the pyramid hotel. And 
it's just that great thing that they had going, that glamorous Las Vegas. Everything went away. It's a yeah. story about loss, in my opinion. It's not a, It's not nearly just a gangster story. That's the the suit that it wears, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I just real quick uh, before Dan, you, you talked more about some of your first impressions. I that that shot of the retirees coming in with the walkers and the canes, it really reminded me of like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was too mean. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that might have well might have been a little on purpose. But. It probably was. It probably was. Yeah. Um, Dan, Dan, what, what were your first impressions? If this was this your first time? Yeah, this has kind of been my first time for. I think all of these Scorsese gangsters crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And what's kind of been awesome about that is that all of these movies have been on my watch list. It's one of those things. Anytime I was telling people I had never seen Goodfellas, they hated me for it. <laughs> Rightly. Yeah. You and, think you like movies and you've never seen Goodfellas. <laughs> oh, I, I can't like, I look at a picture of myself from two months ago. I can't stand it. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen The Godfather? I've seen The Godfather. Okay. Uh, we're good. Okay. One and two, but not three. But, uh, three's all right. It's not as bad as everybody says it is. True. <laughs> so it's kind of been, I don't know, interesting for me to watch all four of these gangster movies. This one, I feel like was a perfect cap to these four movies. Because not only with the actors, De Niro and Pesci, being in Goodfellas and then in Casino... But like you were saying, Vito, how Goodfellas was like a fun time. It was so enjoyable. The music is so upbeat and keeps the pace rolling. It's a very upbeat movie, I guess I would say. And this one was, it felt more operatic. It felt more like a slower, almost like more adult or more like mature tragedy. And that's not to say that I... I don't know. I, I, I would have to watch these movies a bunch more to have a valid opinion of whether I like one or, one over the other. So I'm not going to claim that I like one over the other um, this early in my Scorsese experience, but I definitely saw this one as like a very well-crafted opera piece. And like even the opening credits, right, with that, that beautiful, it almost, it sounds like a Wagner piece or something. It's like very heavy yeah, 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 yeah. falling figures that are seen like falling through flames <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's beautiful and it's like terrifying and it, it was great and and that's how i i saw this whole movie as like it's it's opening a window to a time and a place in a way that i don't know i've ever seen like it's it's opening our eyes to you know 70s las vegas and by the end of it, we get that feeling of finality that this is not a point in history that will ever come back. But it's, it really, for me, it was like so almost educational, but also enjoyable. It was like a, a weird mixture of high emotions, educational, and, and also beautiful. Obviously, like we were saying, it's, it's shot wonderfully and, and acted beautifully. And what's, what's interesting to think about is, you know, you say that's a time and period that'll never come back. And I think that there is that sense of warning at that, in that last scene of seeing those casinos get destroyed. But I think you also look at, it and you see how disgusting and violent with, you know, 
people putting heads in vices. And you say, <laughs> as sad as it is that that's gone, it's probably for the best. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief when that was gone. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and I think, oh, that's, what, I think that's what Scorsese might be leading us to surmise. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. It, this is far more brutal than the other three that we just watched. Like, the other three were all violent. That's this what... one is like, oh, let's put a guy's head in a vice and crack his skull <laughs> open and pop his eyeballs out and put ice tip, ice picks in his testicles or let's just beat people to death with baseball bats and then bury them alive. Ugh, everything about this movie makes the mob feel so much more horrendous than I previously thought. And I already knew they were awful. But it's one thing to just see somebody get assassinated and then just die so viscerally like they do in this movie. Yeah, it really portrays the mob in an extra bad light. And I guess if we're going talking about my first impression, finished watching it a couple hours ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really like it. Like, I don't think I'm going to watch this movie a whole lot uh, because I just I find it super brutal and super like there's something about movies that are kind of this big and epic. Like uh, Goodfellas, they was zooming in on one guy's life and kind of like, uh, you know, they did pull off a big bank heist. But for the most part, they were doing like small time crook things. Right. But here we got people doing the biggest like monthly income of like a million dollars that they're sending back home, wherever back home is. And like everything these people do is is so big and grand. I guess it rhymes with Las Vegas itself. And I I enjoyed this kind of big epic scale that I was given. And I felt like I was getting to know the in, you know, the inside and out of, of how this mafia is running. And I thought that was really cool. And, you know, at the same time, this guy's marriage is falling apart and I got kind of invested in Sharon Stone and his marriage. Like, is it possible they can work out? No, there's no way, but all right, here we are. They're getting married anyway. Let's see this train wreck happen in in (laughs) three hours. It's, yeah, I was I was down for this ride. Yeah, that's where I'm at with this movie. You know, one of the things that I found that was really weird about it, like, is compared to the other three, as we continue to connect these, like, Goodfellas, Departed, and, and Gangs of New York, like, each one of those has a very clear, like, protagonist. And this one, like, the guy who it feels like, I think, is, feels like the protagonist at the beginning is Ace, right? But by the end, like, he's, I don't know, like, I was not very, were you guys attracted to ace where you're like oh i see myself in him like do i care about ace not at the end yeah i i kind of i kind of lost it halfway through with him and that's when i actually started to feel like i mean i felt bad for him but i didn't like him very much you know but that's, that's kind of how i felt about everyone i felt bad for everybody i didn't I, like I, anyone very much i, I guess like, yeah. i kind of felt more like i was relating to sharon sharon stone yeah like that she was the actual protagonist of this movie i, I could pity i could pity her more she's the yeah. she's more the victim than almost anyone else yeah yeah i yeah. i don't i don't think i really connected with a single person here i just liked watching them interact with each other yeah <laughs> I think I, I did connect with Ace. I, or I don't know if I connected with Ace, but I like his character a lot. And I yeah, think yeah. the reason why I like him is because he is the outsider of outsiders. Right. You know, he's a Jew in the mafia. He's never going to be in the mafia. He's operating in a world that is on the peripheries. And even when he tries to, but he tries to be legit about it. He tries to run a casino Normally, and even but and when he tries to do that, 
he's pushed to the outside by corrupt Vegas people that are on the outside. It's, it's a bunch of outsiders and Ace trying to fit in that world and be legit. And no matter what he does, he can't do it. Yeah, I, I almost saw Ace as like the good side of the mafia where he only uses, you know, he, he like bashes the guy's hand for cheating. But the guy was kind of a dirtbag for cheating. You're kind of like, yeah, the guy had it coming. You know, he's stealing thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. It's It's kind of like that you know, street justice kind of thing. And anytime that, you know, Nikki gets out of line, it really irks, you know, Ace. Like he he hates the fact that Nikki is there, you know, running these crime syndicates and, you know, killing people and doing the dirty work of the mafia, killing off that lady when she is trying to sue or, you know, you know, Nikki yeah, feels right. like I forgot about that. Damn. Nikki kind of feels like the dark side of the mafia and Ace always feels like the light side or the, you know, the business side that really is just, you know, clever is using their, their talents kind of just for getting ahead in the world and being a great businessman. And I, 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 I really enjoyed him as a, as a main character. And, and I felt like that throughout the whole movie, I don't know if there was a moment if anything, I felt more like Mike said, where the beginning felt more confusing because I was expecting in Goodfellas, you you feel like you know most of the characters of the mafia, whereas in this movie, you kind of just see them doing s- stuff, right? The, the guys in Chicago or wherever they are. Kansas City. Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah, okay. Kansas City. In yeah. Kansas City, yeah. They're the ones getting the money and you see them saying stuff and like, you know, pulling the strings from far away, but you never really get to know them or their names or anything. And, and so that was confusing to me early on. But then once I realized that didn't matter, that it was kind of just a, a window into this time period and this, you know, these, uh, these goings on this pretty historically based story I was just, I just enjoyed the ride and I, I loved him as a, I loved Robert De Niro's character as the main guy. He, for me, he sold this movie 100%. And I like, when I think of this movie, it will be, yes, I, I'm going to watch this again because I loved Ace's character. I think another thing about Ace's character is when you compare him to someone like Henry Hill, Henry Hill's in, he has a downfall in Goodfellas. But it's completely self-inflicted. Every decision that Henry Hill does, whether it's the drugs, whether it's the flashing money after the big heist, everything he did was self-inflicted. And I think with Ace, he was trying to do the the right thing at almost every step of the way, including with his wife. He was trying to make that work in an impossible situation. And I think the interesting thing is, at the end of it, he's the only one left alive or not in prison. Everybody yeah, else is dead. I, I think the reason that I, I, when I say I didn't, I don't like him is that Henry, and I think what I was saying about Goodfellas too is, is why that's funnier is that it, it's, it's more comedic because people are undone kind of by their, their stupidity, right? Or their paranoia, which is a, which is a kind of a form of stupidity. And that's kind of fun. That's kind of funny, you know, and this one, look, yeah, he's a good businessman. Yes. He knows how to win. Even at the end of the movie, it shows that he still knows how to win. But like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, if he had done any of these things in his personal relationship, if he had like 
if he had just given Ginger the money that she'd been begging him for, the jewels, if she'd just given her the jewels, she would have left. And yes, that's not what he wants, but that would have fixed the situation. And for him to not do that, that's a stupid move. So yeah, he's a good businessman, but I guess that's the contradiction in his character, right? Good businessman, terrible personal life. <laughs> yeah, but he's a micromanager. I mean, yeah. the good businessman would say, I don't care how many blueberries are in the muffin. Sure. Yeah. But well, he, except he, though, except in that situation, a good businessman would totally care. That blueberry, <laughs> that blueberry situation is night and day, sir. <laughs> yeah. What well, is you might, literally you look at the falling process. apart? one muffin is falling apart the other one is like it's got nothing it's just a plain (laughs) muffin isn't it that like micromanagement that that like isn't that why like the relationship falls apart like he marries her because he wants to micromanage this thing like control like tame sharon stone or or ginger totally right like that's why he marries her and that's why he like he's like you can have the key Cause like then he can hold that over her. And then that's why he doesn't give her the key to the jewels. Like, like so that he can keep her and restrain her and keep her doing that. And the more he does that, like the more she goes crazy and tries to escape. Like, so yeah, I mean, it is, it is like that downfall, right? That's the, the character flaw that brings about his downfall. Hey everyone, jumping in real quick to tell you about something I'm personally very excited for. It's Sir's Furniture. S-I-R-R-S, Furniture. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, then you know about Sir. He was. We did the, the crossover with the uh, Before Sunset trilogy. He's been on a couple of our episodes. I've been on a couple of his. Um, he's a dear friend. And he happens to make, besides a fantastic podcast, beautiful, custom-made wood cutting boards of, of whatever flavor of wood you want in whatever kind of design you want. It's, it's beautiful custom work. And with summertime coming up, I know that I'm going to be out barbecuing. I'm going to be out going to birthday parties. I'm going to be going to a couple of weddings and it's sometimes hard to pick, you know, what to give somebody, uh, what to give a friend of mine. Sir's Furniture is your one-stop shop for cutting boards, charcuterie boards, coasters, Anything that you can really think of that is handmade, handcrafted, and designed woodcraft. You've been using a small plastic board for years. You know you have. Or, you know, take a look in your kitchen at those dried out twigs that you call cutting boards. And go to sirsfurniture.com, S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash N-Y-F-M. And check out the wide selection of beautiful handcrafted wooden cutting boards that are on display there. Now, listen, let me tell you a little bit ago when Mike welcomed in his third child to the world, um, Jesse and I banded together and we we pitched in on, on one of the big Bertha, I think it's called the Martha of the, the cutting boards. It was big, had a nice channel around the side, and we put Mike's last name right in the middle. And this board was gorgeous. I was upset that I didn't have Mike's last name so that I couldn't just keep it for myself. It was the single most beautiful cutting board I've ever seen. So that whether you love to cook, barbecue, or just need that perfect gift, Sir has what you need. So for 10% off, use our link, Sir's Furniture. That's S-I-R-R-S furniture.com slash N-Y-F 
that'll tell him that we sent you. Um, I just want to say one other thing about Ace, and Dan can probably attest to this. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But back before I had a wife and kids, I spent way too much money on clothing. Um, <laughs> Ace's outfits in this movie are so fantastic. <laughs> he is a style icon and something that I wish that I could show up to Sunday Mass wearing one of his fuchsia suits. They're just fantastic. <laughs> and I read today because I was like, I wonder how many alpha changes he has. He wore over 70 suits in this movie. <laughs> That's amazing. His, uh, the wardrobe budget was over a million dollars just for him. Oh my gosh. Wow. 70 That's custom made suits. That's that incredible. Reminds me, one of my other favorite scenes in this movie is when somebody comes and knocks on the door to his office. Like, yeah, Give me a minute. And he like takes his pants and puts the pants back on. And his pants are off. And he just rises up from the desk, walks over, and it's like in his underwear and he grabs the pants out. Like I'm not gonna lie. Also, I learned that trick from him, and I've done it in my office before. Because it keeps the wrinkles out of your pants. Yeah. Don't, oh, sit, oh, yeah. don't sit in your pants. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, he knows he knows the suit game so well. He's talking like when Lester gets the money and he's like trying to do the cost breakdown. Oh, yeah. He's yes. like, that's not gonna work out. Why he's getting fitted yeah. for eight like, suits I, in one I day? Like th- <laughs> I spent a thousand dollars on a suit. Like he, can't. he doesn't even know what a good suit is. Like, yeah, he's going like, yeah. Yeah. like he's not he's not getting a suit. Lester's wardrobe is fantastic in it too. You know, yes. they, they got him looking as sleazy as they as he possibly could in that stupid Gucci uh suit that he's wearing. Oh, yeah. It just it. shows yeah. it just shows Lester has money but absolutely no taste. And I did hear that they all got to keep their wardrobes after the movie. <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wow. because they were fitted, I'm guessing because they were fitted to the characters, Scorsese was like, Hey, keep them. Damn. Did Sharon Stone get to keep those incredible furs? A lot like of the furs. chinchilla. The chinchilla. Yeah. <laughs> that's that could like yeah, that's that's an, wow. That was her entire salary for the movie was just that one coat. <laughs> you, you can you can keep this fur. Hey Jesse, I think I interrupted you earlier. What were you gonna say? when he stands up though and he walks over and he's in his underwear, I it took me a second to realize that that's not normal because now I associate <laughs> that with being normal. <laughs> Everybody works from home. And I, I do that. So, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course he's doing that. Oh, wait, no, he's not at home. He's working <laughs> so in the office. So I can see you, Jesse, from your, your pectoral muscles up. Are you wearing pants? I don't actually know this. I'm wearing gym shorts. Okay, close enough. Yeah. Close yeah. enough. This okay, is what I, I wore to work like, today. I, never, I feel like I should check more often. Like, <laughs> I, Okay, so so here here's a really personal question. Do you have underwear on under the gym shorts? Because that's, <laughs> that determines whether or not the gym shorts are actually underwear. Yes. Know? Yes, okay, I wear right, underwear right, under right, the shorts. You know, boxers or boots? Oh, boxers. <laughs> Definitely boxers. Boxers all the way. And Sometimes boxer really... briefs. Those are comfy. All right, really podcast going off the rails. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, who's going to show this to their kids? Uh, Dan, are you going to show this to your kids? I, I don't think I'm going to show this to my kids. I love this movie, but it, it's, it, yeah, it's like Departed. It's like these other ones that maybe if they're like 17, 18 and they're ready for it, I can maybe imagine a, a day or a night where I'm like, you know, I talk to my oldest son and I'm like, hey, Let's watch a really serious movie. 
but honestly, I'll probably go to Goodfellas for that because it has kind of that more fun element. This is a weighty movie. This one, I did, I know the 18-year-old me would not have been ready for this movie personally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's different for other people. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe if my kid is really, really mature, maybe I will be more willing to show it to him. But I, I don't think this is going to be on my top list to show my kids even when they're when they're older. I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that. Also, if, if I ever, if I ever did though, I would definitely close my eyes for the Pesci sex scene. <laughs> I don't want to see oh, that again. Oh <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But I mean, it's, it's the same kind of question I've had with a lot of these, but it definitely has a lot going on in it. And I would love to talk to my kids about it, but I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I don't know. Anytime that I think a, a kid's a kid, I think they'd just be too young. I, I mean, I was too young when I saw this like six years ago. I, I was bored. And this time I wasn't bored. I, I saw there was stuff going on. And I was able to connect more. I think it's just an age thing, at least for me. Yeah. So that, that, that's a, that's a no for, for two of us. How about, how about the rest of you threes? I kind of think it's a yes for me. Interesting. Like I'm a, uh, I think, I mean, maybe when they're older, you know, 17, 18 sort of thing for sure. But like, I kind of see this being like, a, all right, like, like my family's on vacation. We're staying in some like, some house, like say at a beach house or something like that. It's just like, all right, we're, we're here for Vegas. a week. Yeah, we're staying in Vegas. Just like every night we watch a different movie. And it's like, all right. So we're gonna watch we're gonna watch the Martin Scorsese gangster. This is a weird vacation. Squad. <laughs> this is a weird vacation. <laughs> what, what, when we would go on vacation, almost every year we would watch uh the Godfather trilogy. We never actually got all the way through the third one but like every single year did you no no we got through (laughs) we we rarely got through two but we would start at one so i've seen one a hundred times and i've seen two like (laughs) half of a hundred times and you know three like once but but like i don't know it's like these deep like we would always watch deep like weighty movies that's where i saw like seven samurai you know like i don't know big movies like that i really enjoy it because we go off and yeah i mean i was like 13 so and that's I a fell long movie for a 13 year old yeah we started at like midnight with me and my friends i don't know it was like a solid four hours long yeah i really enjoyed that that was funny we'd spend all day like on the beach basking in the sun and then like go inside and watch a serious movie and be like what a contrast and go to bed it was great it was amazing <laughs> that's, that's actually a really cool way to watch serious movies is when you're when you're in a state of kind of relaxation vacation it's it's cool because I feel like when I'm not in vacation, when I'm you know you're working and you're doing the daily grind, you just want a, a feel good movie. You want an easy watch, and so maybe the opposite goes that when you're when you're vacationing, you should be watching more heavy things. Like more, your mind is huh. at ease, you're not stressed. You know, put something on that's a little more thought provoking, a little more heavy. I, I kind of like that. Um, how about you, uh, Jesse? Uh, is this you show this to your kids? Honestly, when Mike said going on vacation and doing the Godfather trilogy, it would be cool to do that, but leave out number three and just stick this one at the end. Because I know as a dad, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be like, you know, the mafia actually had casinos. That's a true thing. In fact, there's this whole movie just about that one concept. Like, do you, do you want to watch it? Well, I don't care because I'm going to put it on for you. That's <laughs> that's probably what it's going to be. Because anytime that we do the bigger, weightier 
mafia movies. This will never be an introduction to that. It has to come later. It has to come after. But that's what I'd probably throw it on. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, I'm su- I'm surprised at this. Uh, Joe, yeah, I am too. This, yeah. is, as, this as, is turning out strangely. Yeah, it's, it'll be a, already seen this. <laughs> just, what you just said, this is interesting. It's kind of refreshing to see a gangster movie that doesn't take place in New York or Chicago. I mean, I can't think of another gangster movie that takes that doesn't take place in New York or Chicago. The Departed. That's Boston. Yeah, that's yeah. Boston. But that's so it take close. Place on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, East Coast. Would I show yeah. this to my kids? Um, when they're ready for it, yeah, I would have no problem showing this to my kids. I mean, I definitely will uh, encourage it's, them it's to see this at some point. <laughs> I think it's more effective. It's a matter of two things. When they're able to sit through three hours, because that's going to be a while, knowing my daughter, uh-huh. and being prepared for the violence. I mean, I watched yeah. it this afternoon preparing for this, and I had to turn my head away for the vice scene, and I knew it was coming. You know, it's just, it's a very brutal and violent film. There's not too much sex that I can recall. No, I was just, I was yeah. making a joke just because uh, I just don't like seeing Joe Pesci have sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> That's pretty much it. It's really close on his face and ooh, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But I can't think of any nudity in the film. Is there? I can't, I can't recall I, it. I can't. Yeah. There's, there's one scene where, yeah, one see- down, it, it's, uh, it's the commissioner. Yes, you see her Ooh. butt. Yeah, yeah, there's a butt. That's, that's it. One butt. right. There is a butt. There is one butt. There's one butt in the movie, and that and Robert was Robert De Niro in his boxer shorts. That's right. That's it. Also, I don't know if it would be good for me to, for as the dad of a daughter, to be that's showing true. her the scene where De Niro is like, "You got to lose ten pounds." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. That's true. Is, uh... Troubling. Go yeah. throw up in the bathroom. <laughs> okay, I want to be able to show this to my kids. Will I? I don't know. That might know. be that might be the better answer. Yeah, that is kind of my answer too. I, I don't know when this will come up. It'll probably be in in their twenties. I don't know. Yeah, early twenties probably. <laughs> like when they're <laughs> visiting. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to show you that movie. <laughs> God, I've already seen it. It's not that good. No, but you haven't seen it with me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the blueberry scene is coming up. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's you know what be I like. really like is really unique about this movie too is just like how gross all of the people are, like all of the gangsters are. I don't they're feel nasty. like they're yeah. nasty, man. Like the Kansas City gangsters are gross. They're like they're horrible. Whenever we go there, like everything about it's awful, which is I think yeah. very like on purpose. Like we've seen yeah. like the big gangsters and like all of that stuff, but they've always had like a certain amount of charm or charisma to them. Like there's these no romanticizing are, this. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're worse than all here. They're just nasty here. Like even yeah. in Goodfellas, like there's a reason for him to be drawn. Like he doesn't have a good family life, but oh, they're all gonna stick up for him. There's nothing quite like that here. It's just like, oh no, this is a business. They're here for some money. And they're gonna, and the Joe Pesci starts the the crime thing, and then like running a casino is not a glamorous thing. It may be a glamorous casino, but actually doing the nitty gritty of it, like telling the dealers like here's how to stack the chips, and yeah. like going out and fighting the cheating, like that is not. Those were made 
by by the filmmakers into brilliant scenes, but like in and of itself, that's not a glamorous thing. Nothing about this movie screams like, "Oh, I should go do that." It's all yeah. like very, very nitty gritty, and uh, yeah, nothing about this is glamorous. I I, I did love, that, yeah. That was something I was I was again going back to like I was glad that I watched that I've seen The Godfather that I've seen Goodfellas. Watching this, I felt like I already knew who these, you know, crime bosses, I already knew who they were, even if I didn't know their names. Like, you already felt like, okay, these are the guys that are plotting and running these syndicates and, you know, they're they're skimming money from everybody they can. You already felt like you knew them just by yeah. how raspy their voice was or how... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, how they how they acted and how they looked. It was like, okay, I'm I'm familiar with this. I know what who they are. They're running this behind the scenes. They mentioned that Nikki is a is a made man. I'm like, I know what that means. I know that that means he's untouchable. Like, if you want to hurt Nikki or say something bad about him, you're gonna be killed. So there there was a lot of context that I felt bringing into this that I, I really appreciated. Uh-huh. I definitely think if it was my first mafia introduction movie i would not have understood any of that context you know i think it's really interesting like that's such a contrast with goodfellas the way like joe pesci is a made man in this movie which is you know like the exact opposite of goodfellas there and like i i wonder i think that probably one of the things that he got slammed for for goodfellas was like making this seem too glamorous even though like that's not the point of the movie at all like it does seem pretty glamorous that copacabana scene is pretty freaking badass it's it's like he's trying his best to like show this is not glamorous these people living there like people in new york like they're in new york it's beautiful they want money so they can buy beautiful things like what do people buy in kansas city yeah they run an ugly Grocery, you know, grocery, grocery store. Grocery. Yeah. 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 And like complain to their parents about like how their coworkers are being mean yeah. to them. You know, it's. It, uh, yeah. Or even why? Ace, who, even Ace, who has like the most fun job in some ways, he works so hard. There's so much to what he does. It's 24 7 working all the time. There's no fun for him. Being a bookie and having to. And, just that part of it and keeping up with all the sports, even that part sounded draining, but this having to keep track of literally everybody on your floor at all times, who are all trying to get you. It sounded exhausting. Like, man, I don't want to do that job. It's just like having a real job, but worse. Like (laughs) also everyone's trying to kill you. Yeah. I'd like to ask a question here because Dan, Dan posed this earlier. So Dan, would you like to ask this question and 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 help me understand a little bit what what you mean by it? Yeah, so I I read a quote from Martin Scorsese. He did an interview. I think it was around when this came out or maybe a, within a couple of years that Casino came out and somebody asked him about how there's a lot that goes on but that there's not much plot and he was like, "Oh yeah, this movie is it's all story but no plot." That was mm-hmm. his words. And I I kind of, I felt like that was confusing to me. I don't fully understand what he meant by that. So I kind of want to just bounce the question off of you guys. Like, what do you think he meant by saying this movie has a lot of story, but no plot? How do we understand the distinction between the two? And especially in relation to this movie, like, what, what do you think Scorsese meant by that? And 
is it you know do we agree with the director's own uh, uh description of his own movie so i i think i've got some an answer for this again i can't speak for scorsese but based off of like the past few movies that we've watched i think i could say and in general that plot is something it's it's where there's a goal and there are obstacles to the goals that the characters have to overcome so I mean, like any superhero movie usually has that. There's a bad guy. You need to go defeat, defeat the bad guy. How do you defeat the bad guy? You usually have to conquer something in yourself. And there's an external obstacle to overcome, too, where you need to go get the thing, and then you can kill the bad guy, right? That's a plot. At, le- at least to me, that's a plot. But here in Casino, we've got, like, a chronicle. It's just, like, a series of events that happens. is about a guy running a casino and the mob running the casino. As far as I know, there's not even a real goal here. Because they seem to have attained it at the beginning. Like, he's he's at the top of his game. He, he's got a wife, and he really likes her. He's got the casino, and he really likes it. He just needs to maintain it all. And there's a series of events that happen here. And uh, there's nothing he really needs to overcome in himself. There's a couple times where that comes up, where, like, uh, you know, he needs to get the the license or whatever from the gaming commission. Like, that is a plot point, but it lasts for a incredibly short amount of time then it's finished and it's over and then there are more things that happen so that's what i think when he says uh, their story i think you can have a bunch of events that all have theme and they intertwine i think this movie has that but it doesn't have the overarching goal with the problems to overcome that a lot of other movies do i i have a quote i'd like to read here um roger ebert gave the film four out of four stars stating that quote Martin Scorsese's fascinating new film, Casino, knows a lot about the Mafia's relationship with Las Vegas. Like The Godfather, it makes us feel like eavesdroppers in a secret place. Unlike his other Mafia movies, Mean Streets and Goodfellas, Scorsese's Corsino is as concerned with history as with plot and character. End quote. So, That's a fair statement. <laughs> I know, but now I'm just kind of like, <laughs> when it comes to story and plot, I feel like everyone uses these kind of interchangeably and they mean something different for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think maybe what Scorsese is saying probably is like what Jesse is saying, but it just seems that Roger Ebert is agreeing, but he's just using a different word. <laughs> like yeah. plot and story. I've never understood the difference between this and no one has ever been able to really explain it to me. Everyone's just said like, oh, I don't know. To me, it means this. And that seems to be just the general definition. It's like whatever you mean when you say that. You know, I, I'd say like, honestly, I feel like this is the sort of quit that someone would make when they want to not talk about it anymore and are trying to be nice. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, got a yeah, lot of story, got no plot. No plot all story. Like, go away. <laughs> I think it's the plot. There is a plot to it, obviously. Um, but the overall story of it, like, you can't break this down like a typical three-act play. Right. This is not linear like that, where you know from the beginning of the movie where this is going. I, I, and yeah, you, essence, do. you know from the beginning where it's going wait are you saying you don't know from the beginning where it's going or you do i don't sorry. think like a typical movie like again i'm sorry to keep going back to goodfellas we know that henry hill is gonna either die or go into witness protection i didn't know what was gonna happen to eighth roth's scene at the end of this i mean i mean we think that he's gonna blow up right like it literally it shows us him blowing up yeah I, but I it shows him surviving we know that he survived that because he's because he's, he's narrating it yeah, but like well, I don't know. Joe Pesci I mean, was narrating up until the moment that he got hit with the bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, good point. 
I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, feel I, like... I assume that he was not going to die because movies love to start at three quarters of the way through and yeah. then finish their movie. Like that, yeah. that that's what I assume because I, I watched a lot of movies. I yeah, just knew but, the language of it. But like, I, I mean, I feel like, like it's clear that there's going to be a downfall here. Like, here's this guy, Robert De Niro. He's he's our guy. We know he's the guy, and he's blowing up. Like, something bad is going to happen to him over the course of this movie. Sure. It's going to bring us to the moment where he blows up in a car. Or doesn't blow up. You remember, that, sure. you remember that movie Megamind? No, I, I never <laughs> saw it. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. I love Megamind. Yeah. You know how it has that fake-out beginning? You mm-hmm. know, it's record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got here right before I'm about to die. It's a yeah, thing. yeah, it's a Mission yeah. Impossible three. But no, but I think so, yeah. but more, more, more. I, I'm getting the spirit of what you're saying though. Is that um, I, I don't understand. I don't know where this is going to to end up at because it's a shocking beginning. You know, car blows up real fast. I understand it's probably going to be bad. Like I do get that. I mean, yeah. mafia movies don't end well. They just don't. That's just not. That's not in the structure of a mafia movie to to end well. Uh, we we're not supposed to like the family. But mm-hmm. in the particular way that it's going to end badly, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting to me. Yeah, that's, I, that's, fair. that's fair. I, I do think that maybe the historical element or the historical feel of it, right? It's not just that it's based on true events. It does feel historical, like you're watching the events of history and who know like what could happen next. It's, it feels random at moments because that's how real life is. Like real life, things change on a dime and the unexpected happens. I did feel like this was like a window into a time period and that we were just watching events happen. And it wasn't this like script, you know, perfectly scripted arc where yet, yeah, like we were saying, have three, you know, the three part arc that movies typically have. This felt much more like a window into time. It could have been six hours. It could have been two hours and it probably would have been like the same themes. It would have been the same characters that that to me is maybe what he's getting at is like yeah this movie is about characters and about historical place and time uh-huh. and that's what matters it's not about you know the plot points or the the beats of the of the story necessarily like those are happening because this is what happened in history but it could have been any other events and it would have been kind of the same movie to be honest i, I don't know yeah well what's I, interesting I, is I read Nick Pelleggi's book. Casino, Love and Honor in Las Vegas. Yeah, fantastic book. If you're looking for a book to read on the beach, which is where I read it, it's it's a historic book. It is not like a... It's like reading a book about World War II. You know, okay. there's not a um, a plot point to that book, yeah. as this said. Again, it's like a bunch of stories, but it's, yeah. it's a historic book about Las Vegas in the 70s. I think what Scorsese should have said is he should have said this is a chronicle. Right. This is just like a recording of a bunch of a bunch of historical events in movie form. Because it's about yeah. it's about casino. It's about casinos in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not about Ace or I guess as he's really known Lefty, right? Because it's yeah. When this, when this, yeah, yeah. Because when this movie's over, he's like, you know, all right, <laughs> like <laughs> back where I started. Shit. <laughs> um, it's it, there's not really. Like there, there is an arc, obviously, to his character of some kind, but it's not. The movies doesn't seem to be as concerned with that as to be like, you know, the movie starts with the casino and then the movie's over when the casino goes boom. And there we go. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand that question a lot more now. Thank you for the clarification, everybody. 
Let's see here. Uh, Jesse, you have a question here. This is kind of a facetious question, but it's one I also have. I, well, for me, it's not facetious. I, I am genuinely wondering this. So the, the thought crossed my mind, like, man, there's a lot of voiceover in this movie. <laughs> like, there's a lot of voiceover. Do you think it's too much voiceover? The more I start thinking of this movie as a chronicle, the more I'm actually inclined to say, like, no. Uh, because I think you need, I think you need this amount in order to describe, like, this much random stuff and the way characters are changing, have changed, and and will change later. And they need to condense that all to a, to a scene. I don't think you can do that all visually in so many scenes as, as they do here. When you don't have a traditional plot or a very obvious plot, as we just discussed, I think you need that voiceover. That's what carries the stories along and ties them together. And in that way, I think it's actually a really unique... I was talking to Mike, off mic, uh, mm-hmm. about this, is that this this movie is, is very strangely put together when you when you step back and you, you, know, you look at the way that he fits scenes in. It's essentially long sections of montages interspersed with brief dialogue scenes or, or brief violent scenes. Um, but they're very long and they, they stretch out. There's a lot of voiceover across slow pans to meet characters that the voiceover has been about. Then there's a few lines of dialogue. Then the voiceover carries you back out talking about where that person went after this and what they did. Then cue new classic rock song, new establishing shot, new characters walking into frame, new voiceover begins. And it's like this consistent, like a long stepping through the movie where you're like, okay, here we go. And now here we go. And now here you go. And if, and if you're holding the hand of the movie, the movie wants to walk you through and let you understand this world, but it's just doing it in a, in such a non-traditional way. I was, I was talking yeah. to Mike about it. We, we were discussing how it's like the only person I know of that does montages in this way and does this kind of narration that is only tangentially kind of tied to the action on screen is in an extreme way, like Terrence Malick. That's extreme, obviously, because sometimes he'll just have like Christian Bale nattering on for two and a half hours and show you random disconnected <laughs> images that don't matter. And that's not what's happening here. But it has it has a similarity in that I can't really find another analog, another person that tells a story like this in this way, where you have so much information that the easiest way to give it to people is just to like yell it, <laughs> yell it at the audience. Right. And I think that's a really interesting way to do this, especially as you're talking about this being a chronicle, Jesse, like it's just so much you want people to get. And so much you want to show and share and bring people into the world, like the the, the breakdown where they're talking about the, the chain of command in the casino, right? And like those guys are watching those guys and those guys are watching those guys and those guys are watching those. And like the constant cutting to like that person, that person, that person. It's awesome because yeah. you feel a part of the casino. You feel a part of the living organism. Um, yeah. It only becomes tiring for me once we start shifting between like four narrators per scene. And then I'm just having trouble tracking the emotional through line. But until that point and after that point, I'm, I'm doing just fine with it. One thing that I found interesting to, again, compare it to Goodfellas, Karen in Goodfellas has some voiceover lines. She does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as I love Lorraine Bracco's voice, she's fantastic. She has a fantastic voice. We don't hear Ginger's, uh, any narration of Ginger mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. And I think that adds to kind of the mystique of Ginger. That we it don't hear. I just found that was an interesting choice. Of it would have been so obvious to have want to hear what Ginger is saying in all of this, but right. it really adds to that mystery that we don't really know all that much about Ginger. Ginger's got another life, 
And, and some oh. of Lorraine's Brackos is actually some of my favorite stuff too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. When your boyfriend gives good. you a gun to hide, maybe you break up with him. But to be honest, found it kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that the way that voiceover worked too, it like brought, it was sort of as she was bringing brought into that world, she yeah. wanted to be a part of it. And Ginger never really did. Like she was, she was always like, I want to be like, I don't love you. Can I have the money? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm here for the money. Like we all know this. Yeah. No one doesn't know this. Yeah. In the one description I read before I watched the movie, I didn't seek it out. I just kind of, it popped up when I was kind of Googling the movie. It, it described the movie as semi-documentary. It, it said, Master Director Martin Scorsese depicts the sloping depth of a casino mafia boss's fall filmed in a semi-documentary fashion. And when I first read that, I was like, what in the world does semi-documentary <laughs> fashion mean? I get that now that you and, say that. And I, yeah, I think the voiceover is what gives a lot of that feel of Uh these characters having retrospection on the actions that we're watching makes us think differently about the actions. In in Goodfellas, the voiceover, it's, you know, it's pretty big in the beginning because of the exposition, and that always makes sense in a movie. And then in the end, when you're kind of like reflecting on everything you've seen, it feels more final. But I feel like with this, because it's everywhere, it does feel like almost like you're watching these events with the characters themselves rethinking about them, right? It it does add a layer of almost realism to it that other movies don't don't have necessarily. The voiceovers also gave me one of my favorite lines in this entire movie, which was uh for guys like me, Las Vegas washes away your sins. It's like a morality car wash. It does for us what Lords does for humpbacks and cripples. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. I, I do really like the voiceovers. The the lens that you see Ginger's actions though are, are like always in the present moment. So I whenever she's on screen, I just realize I, I guess I feel more engaged when she's there. Because I, I truly don't know what's going to happen because she's the only one who's not speaking her thoughts all the time. So I, I really like that decision now I'm thinking about it, about not having her narrate her whole life, but everybody else narrating it. Uh, so that way it's not utterly confusing. Yeah, I think it also speaks to like her manipulation by them or, or them, them I, like... She's also being used to show like how they treat everybody as a tool or an object. They treat each other that way, but it's like, like we've seen that in every other mafia movie. The great reveal is that they were never friends all along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's always a reveal. Yeah, it's always a reveal. I think they were that, never really family. Yeah, they were never really, <laughs> like it was finally just business. And here, like that's... You know, like we, we've seen that in in clear way with a lot of other mafia movies as well, that like the women are not really they're just sort of treated as objects. But like, I think it does it in a really new and interesting way here. Speaking of that, like the coming to an end, I did hear something very interesting about the end uh, when Joe Pesci is killed along with his brother. Mm-hmm. Right there, they're beaten to the, to death with the bats and it's very gruesome and then they're buried alive and maybe joe you you read the book so you probably know this better than i do but i guess the real life character that joe pesci is playing anthony spilatro is his name okay so he apparently 
actually went back to Kansas City or Chicago. wherever his or Chicago, yeah, to to witness his one of his brothers or one of his relatives being made, be, becoming a made man, and that they went down. It's kind of actually like Goodfellas, where Joe Pesci goes down into this basement, thinking that he's going to, you know, have this big celebration ceremony. And then that's where they kill him as a way of, you know, really making it a personal, you know, hit him where it hurts. And apparently um, they beat him to death. Right. With, they, uh, they kicked him to death. Yeah. With, with her hands they, and feet. Yeah. Yeah. They said, apparently, um, Anthony Splosher turned around and realized that something was off when everybody was wearing boxing gloves. Oh, wow. Uh, oh or gosh. like MMA gloves. And uh, yeah, they beat him to death with their hands and feet. And then they did bury him in a cornfield uh, when the body was discovered like a week later. I one heard... thing I enjoyed with the, uh, the, the killing of Joe Pesci in this movie is that Frank Vincent is the one that kills him with a baseball bat. And Frank Vincent was Billy Bats in Goodfellas. Billy Bats. Yeah. Right. Uh, who Joe Pesci yeah. killed. Who Joe night. Pesci killed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little uh, <laughs> reversal of roles there. So Bats kills him with Bats. In this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, la- I laughed a little bit at that too. <laughs> it's a, it's a brutal scene. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, oh. the sort of like emotional journey that, that he goes through, Billy Bats goes through there too. Like, I, uh, I, that was stunning. I felt like, because it was almost like, like there's it's almost a revelation there where he truly hates this guy. You kind of thought that they were buddies, but they actually hate each other. Yeah, I, I thought that that was that was very cool. Well, they sort of were buddies, right? Didn't he defend him to the to his he boss? Lied. Yeah, he lied for it's him. True. Yeah, but as he said in the Frank Vincent voiceover, there he said, "You know, I had the lie; otherwise, everybody was going to end up dead." Can, can we talk about the vice scene? <laughs> well, what if you want to, Dad? What do you want to say about the vice scene? Yeah. <laughs> so apparently Scorsese put that scene in there expecting it to be he called or somebody called it like a sacrifice scene. He expected yeah. the MP, MPAA or whoever, you know, yes. tells you what you can have in the movie or not. Oh yeah. To actually say, yeah, cut that out, otherwise it'll be X or whatever. And and they didn't. And he so he left it in there. But he he, <laughs> he actually like intended it to be or expected it to be scrapped. That's and, wild. But apparently it is, it is his, historically correct that that did happen, that, that Nikki's character in real life did put this guy's head in a vice and it yeah. popped the guy's eyeball out. So I, I kind of like knowing things like that. Cause it means that Scorsese doesn't just get these really dark thoughts. How, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like, wow, this would be disturbing. No, he's just, he's trying to show how crazy things were and how, you know, bad this guy really was. It also made me feel like I was watching the thing where there's like the face. I don't know if, I don't know if David Cronenberg was involved in this scene, but it definitely felt like that. Like I was watching this, like a seventies or eighties, uh, practical effects type scene, you know, yeah, something really gross. Yeah. There's a, there's a quick little, sorry, archived, Using, I just used the Wayback Machine. Um, there's an archive from the Chicago Tribune, November 9th, 1995. It's just a little blurb here. Um, updating an item in Monday's Newsmakers, Martin Scorsese's casino won its appeal 
and will be rated R rather than the original NC-17. So it did get hit with it. It does not specify which scene, but I think the implication that I've read in other spots is for violence, quote unquote. And I can't imagine it's any other violence except for that that one. Yeah, <laughs> or the hand, and like that the one, hand, and hand. the hand, and the beating. Yeah, I like guess the, the beating. Yeah, the beating. The pen scene at the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, that's that pretty nuts. rough. Mm. That Blood crazy. all over the pen. I started. Yeah. I started laughing at a certain point because it was just so much. <laughs> there was so much stabbing. It was just a. T- and it kept going, and then the, then the kicking, and then the stabbing resumed, and I was like, man, that guy's dead. Yeah. And then you hear him go like, oh. <laughs> and I love the yeah, voiceover. I, like that, yeah. I love the voiceover where he's just like, I, I was just trying to figure out what he was saying to me. I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that was also like an homage to uh, to Goodfellas as well, right? Like Because Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro in a bar killing kick dude. Kick the shit out of Billy. Ki- yeah, like, like we've seen this before. But like that scene almost feels like it's it's getting you revved up for that, and then it just keeps going, yep. and you're like you're like getting ready to laugh, and like oh yeah, this old thing, it's like it's not happening. What this is really messed up. Like I, mean, I feel I, I bad laughed. about this smile, <laughs> this rictus grin on my face. You're, you're you you have a lot of uh, conscience when you're watching this movie. I was just laughing because it just seemed really over the top. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, we're done. Yeah, you hit him a lot. All right, so we're going to have to wrap up here, but I have to ask you, Joe, this being a movie so near and dear to your heart and you carving out this time to come and speak with us, is there anything that you want to share about Casino that you love, that you hate, that you just have a story about that you just want to get out there to the world now that you've got a place to do it? Oh, I don't think so. I think I've expressed my love for this film already. I think the one thing that we didn't talk about just briefly that I is another thing that I think makes this really good. I really love the cinematography in this film. Hell yeah. yeah. Really good shots. And they really do a great job of just incorporating the insane excess of Las Vegas. And then also coupled with the insane barrenness of the desert. There's yeah. helicopter shots of them chasing, going out through the desert. And then also that giant helicopter shot of, uh, of Vegas at night just lit up and then just darkness around it. I love that. Yeah. So really just a beautifully shot film. Just, I mean, you got, you got that camera crammed right up that Coke straw. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hoover up that white line. It's beautiful. Uh, every, yeah. This was a gorgeous looking movie. Oof. Um, anyone else? Any, any, any final thoughts? It's been a fun ride guys. Thank you for, for spending hours Hours on these last four movies, like hours and hours. It's been a fun time. <laughs> it's been a crazy time. I've enjoyed it. I feel like, yeah, I feel like like my mind has has grown. My appreciation and understanding for all things Joe Pesci. So I'm really excited to announce that we'll be doing the the nine Fast and Furious movies <laughs> following this. <laughs> yeah. You guys won't see me for a while then. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. No, I'm getting the sense from the room. The answer is no. I tried. It didn't work. All right. We won't be doing that. We'll be doing something else. Um, <laughs> I have seen them all once. <laughs> at least. Exactly. One too well, many times. Right. Well, then, uh, to answer our final question, is this a dad movie? I'm going to say this is a dad movie because it covers all dad topics, a thousand percent. Yes. It's every topic that dads like and are into. It's got crime. It's got loss. It's got uh, the chance at redemption thwarted. 
It's got the, it's got, it's got all. It really has it all. And even though I, I have some issues with the movie, I think it's beautifully made. I think it's a, it's a, it's a towering work of art. And I, I will revisit this someday. I want it to be long enough to where, where it's, it's shocking and fresh to me. But I'm gonna say it's a dad movie for me. How about you, Mike? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's got history. It's got art. It's got fear. It's got loathing. It's got Las Vegas. I mean, what isn't a dad about all this, right? Guns. Guns. Uh, mostly physically killing other people. I don't. Death. There's a whole lot of shooting people to death. Drinking. Yeah, Drugs. I mean, like, I could. This is a movie that I could fall asleep watching happily. You know? Oh, done. And it. I yeah, could stay yeah. awake watching happily as well. <laughs> yeah. Like both of these are true. So yeah, this is a dad movie to me. And I mean, it's got like deep themes. Themes. We know you like them. I themes. love those themes. <laughs> it's inappropriate how themes. much you like themes. <laughs> themes. Jesse, what about you? Oh yeah, it's totally a dad movie, and it's totally a dad movie because you know I enjoy it. But it's also like I get to say to my kids, you know. The mafia really had a hand in Las Vegas. They basically made Las Vegas. You know, there there was this counting room. The owners weren't even allowed to go, but the mob were able to put guys in there. There's a movie. You want to go see that movie? Want to go see about, it's about this? It's called Casino. It's got Robert De Niro. You know De Niro. He's from all the all the classic mob movies. I get to say all that. If a movie allows you to say that, it's instant dad, in my opinion. <laughs> Like you're on the road trip, you're driving through Las Vegas, you're like, you know, the mob built this town, right? (laughs) (laughs) But for real, when everyone laughs at you, you're like, no, you don't know that? You don't understand. I'm going to turn on this audio book. And when this audio book is done, we get to our destination. Now we're watching Casino. That's how this works. You think this desert is beautiful? There are dead bodies all over. Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. Because this is the mob. (laughs) Every piece of the desert has a hole in the ground. Yeah. It's it's all that history. That historical aspect plus gigs plus plus gambling. I love gambling. I love watching movies about gambling. And yeah, I just I enjoy all the scenes of this movie. I think it's great. Dan movie all the yeah. way. Is it a Dan movie? Is it a Dan movie? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And and a dad movie. I I feel like this is going to be one that I probably watch more often when I'm older. Like I could see myself being like 60, 70 and really, really wanting to watch Casino. Thank you for like, listening I, to this episode I, I of Not Your Father's Movie. Me. Please let and us I know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYFMovies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider yeah, contributing gonna, and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, yeah, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and, and even an NYFM mug. Yeah, I'm excited. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right yeah, now, and to Andrew LaFave for the dance for the Phoenix that you hear at the of every episode. What dad doesn't love to escape to Vegas. That's right. I got a trip coming up in a few months. Oh, lucky man. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind me asking here, I know we got to go and wrap it up. Is this a top five Vegas movie? I mean, yeah, The Hangover's in there. The Hangover's in there, yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. The final scene of Con Air. Yes. <laughs> Just Con Air. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's actually surprisingly fewer memorable Las Vegas movies. Um, Fear and Loathing for me is probably my number one Las Vegas movie. I, I, I didn't like it. it. The book was just so great that... The book is the fantastic. M- the movie just let me down. 
they are not the same thing at all. <laughs> that book and that movie, you know. Ugh. I've never seen Leaving Las Vegas, but sad. Yeah. Not really about Vegas. <laughs> oh, it's about, it's about um, the title lies. Then it's about dying. It's about dying from alcoholism. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. Wait, uh, wait. Army what? of the Dead. Anybody? Army of the Dead. Yes. <laughs> trash. Can you believe that was a year ago? Oh, Vegas Army Vacation. Oh, Vegas Vacation. Vegas. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. I, I think Dan might be an Army of the Dead fan. No, I you. Oh, you, okay. You, stole, you just said you, yes. I wasn't sure that was sarcastic. So mean. <laughs> I was like, wait, oh shit! Like, is that sarcastic? <laughs> no, you stole it from me. I was gonna say Army of the Dead and act oh. like I liked it, but <laughs> you stole the limelight from awesome. me. Oh my gosh, uh, the movie! All right, guys, um, all right. Thank you for having me on again. Thank you so yeah, much for coming. for coming. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, from all of us at, at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. And I'm guest starring Joe McCarthy. That's right. <laughs> Happy to have you. Good night. All right. See you guys.